Bloop. Hello. That's Hello. the noise it made. I just don't make random noises, usually. I'm going to adjust this slightly mm. since y'all we're are getting off center. Y'all are getting seasick. Apologies. Are we centered again? There we go. My apologies for the ride. I'm going to move the microphone because that's slightly askew. Slightly askew once again. That was my nickname in high school. Ah, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next line to come out of my mouth. Slightly askew Stacy. <laughs> Coming down the hall. How is everyone? <laughs> hey guys, you ready to go to geometry? <laughs> I'm slightly askew. <laughs> That's probably how I felt going to geometry. Anyway, uh, you weren't here this last week. I was not. I, in, in fact, was enjoying a wonderful worship service at Stonebriar Community Church in Frisco, Texas, and got to uh, sit under the teaching of the mentor that I've never met, uh, uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll. And, uh, had the rare occasion of able to sit next to my wife on I saw Sunday you commented something so. like on Facebook. I'm like, wow, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought about that before. Yeah, Shelly was uh, <laughs> noticing that we we don't sit together. Right. I mean, we stand, You're up there, and then we'll she's up together, there. Right. right. But we, you know, she's uh, she's either sitting in one of the chairs right. uh, under the teaching, or she is with the children teaching children's church. So uh, it's kind of nice to be able to have those times together. So. Well, I'm glad you were able to do that. It was great. We ate well. I ate far too much. That's what you do in Texas. It's what I do everywhere, but uh, <laughs> it was it was terrific. Um, had some, some really great local cuisine. Got to, um, you know, of course I get excited when there are cattle involved, so I got to see some uh, historical things in Frisco about cattle drives on the Shawnee Trail. And, Very cool. I uh, got, got to go to the Dallas Cowboys facility, so, you know, I'm I'm kind of in heaven. I've got. It surprises meat. me that you liked that. I mean, you like football in general. It doesn't matter what the team. Yeah, you're and and it's just tremendously historical. Right. I mean, and the Cowboys were America's team when I was growing up. So most of their history was within my lifetime. Mm-hmm. They just started in 1960. So mm-hmm. most of the Cowboys' history was within my lifetime. So even the early guys that I didn't really watch play, you uh, knew everybody's kind of in the shadow of that. Right. So like Bob Lilly stopped playing he retired about the time i started actually paying attention to football as mm. a five-year-old or six-year-old and uh but everybody you know he was still in the consciousness of everything and the cowboys filled the cowboys and steelers filled the consciousness of of all of the the football watching world in the 70s and so that was to me it was just awesome and, and i love tom landry and chuck swindoll actually used to be the chaplain for the dallas cowboys mm-hmm. uh and so was tony evans and then tony evans's son is i believe the chaplain now so uh it, that's kind of a I take a, back my statement kind of a neat thing to go through but yeah on a weekend where i get to be with shelly right. i get to have meat and tacos and have a fantastic worship service and football and cattle, I just don't know that it could have been a whole lot better. What so, could have made it better? Um, more of all oh, of those okay. things. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Well, uh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just very thankful for the opportunity. That's so. good because it's Thanksgiving week. Well, it works out well. And so as, uh, as I wasn't able to, uh, to preach on Sunday, I was ecstatic and, and exceeding, exceedingly thankful for God's grace that one of our overseers, who also happens to be my brother, was able to fill in, um, and, and for uh, you and the band to be able to um, lead the worship. Uh, that I was just really excited about how things came together, uh, and one of our other overseers, um, uh, my father-in-law Gary, has got a lot of family going on here in a small church, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, was able to 
uh, kind of oversee things and, and you know, walk us through the, the liturgy, if you will, our, our, our order of worship. So I was really happy with the way things uh, went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gives, I think it, it gives us pause, or gives me pause to, to remember that part of our job as a church is not just to, to go through our motions, but to prepare others to do mm-hmm. this. So, so as we make <clears throat> disciples, we need to be making disciples who make disciples. We need to be continually uh, raising up new leaders and, and replacing ourselves. So duplicating and ultimately replacing ourselves. So as we do that in the church, um, I need to be uh, very conscious about making sure that whether it's not as much whether I need a vacation, mm-hmm. which I, I do need to be conscious of that and make sure that I do it. I can tend to, I just love being here so much mm-hmm. that it's easy for me to forget, oh, I should go away with my wife sometimes. And you were texting uh, a couple of us from the band and you were like, I don't know if you were on the plane or in Dallas already. You are like, oh, this and this and this. And we're like, stop. <laughs> Go have fun. So, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So, yeah, I, I, we probably hadn't left yet at that point. Because <laughs> uh, it was it was a whirlwind thing. We left yeah. Saturday morning, came back Sunday night. Right. Um, but it was it was pretty awesome. Good. And. Our original plan was maybe, to, well, our original plan was to go to Frankenmuth here in mm-hmm. Michigan, but mm-hmm. with Michigan shut down, right. that didn't seem like wise planning. Right. So we were going to drive to uh, Cleveland uh, to see Alistair Begg preach. It turns out it took less time to travel to Texas than it would have taken to Crazy drive to Cleveland. Crazy how the world works, so, isn't it? Before yeah, we get out. started, speaking of things that we're talking about, random, I have an early Christmas present for oh, you. Oh, wow. How about that? And I wanted to give it to you on the podcast. Is it meat-related? <laughs> it's not. Otherwise, it'd be weird that it was sitting out here for the last hour. Well, so. considering that we're in a basement that's like 40 degrees. That's true. That's it's probably... like a meat locker down here. What do we have here? So I hope you like it. It's it's paper. It's, it's tissue paper. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. My Uh-oh. son liked it. Uh-oh. Look at that. <laughs> The home of professional podcasting with the Something Real logo on the back. That it, it is was outstanding. It was time. Whoa, you are a peach. Thank you <laughs> so welcome. much for that. You're welcome. It's mostly because my dogs kept bothering this bag and I wanted to get it out <laughs> under my tree. Well, that is outstanding. So, enjoy. I will. If anybody will else wants a pride. t-shirt, let us know. <laughs> uh, so with that... Now that we've gotten all of our distractions out of the way. We are we are rejoicing and thankful. We are, so. and Thanksgiving is this week. And that uh, you mentioned that your brother Jeff uh, gave the message this past Sunday. And he talked a little bit about uh, the idea of giving thanks in all of our circumstances, which is... Uh, Easier said than done often. Right, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the you know current environment that we're living in. Um but I'm going to forget the exact verse, but you got it open there. He talked about a verse in Philippians that he focused on, and I don't know if you wanted to start there. Or... Yeah, he focused in on, on Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8, and uh, I'll just read those for you. And he, and he chose as the memory verse, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 18, uh, which was the, the focus verse of mm-hmm. uh, most recent blog, that, that uh, the newsletter article. That it is used. up on the website. <laughs> And I know the next one is due, so I'm working on that too, <laughs> along with the it's Advent, a holiday. <laughs> Advent Devos and so on. Anyhow, um, so Paul writes to the Philippian church, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the, the, the premise here <laughs> is, uh, I think my brother referenced this in his message, is to accentuate, accentuate the positive and mm-hmm. eliminate the negative, which that song's been in my head all weekend. <laughs> and I just listened to a version of Clint Eastwood singing that song, which was tremendous and hmm. very... Weird. Yeah. <laughs> when you think of Clint Eastwood only as Dirty Harry or the, yeah. the man with no name, you know, that... that Get off my lawn. <laughs> or, the, yeah, the guy from Grand Torino. <laughs> um, then to hear him doing jazz, yeah. it, it's which he loves to do. He's he's a very accomplished musician. And I did not know that recorded about Clint. a number of albums and hmm. soundtracks for several of his movies. And, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, he's uh, he actually has written some scores and songs, which... You never know about people. It's... Plays several instruments, I believe. Um, but anyhow, uh, as we see this uh, this passage, it's couched in a book that Paul is writing. That's that's often described as the most joy-filled book in the Bible. But he's doing this while he's you know chained to a Roman guard. Now he's on house arrest in Rome, and and he is. Uh, free to entertain, but he's still incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And he's been through overwhelming right. difficulty to get here. And, and we just spent the year going through the book of Acts, so we got to see uh, some of those events in, in recent weeks. And so this same guy who's been through all this, snake bit, shipwrecked, beaten and left for dead, stoned, you know, all these different things, uh, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not, you know... It, he doesn't say rejoice when it feels right. Mm-hmm. And significantly, he doesn't say rejoice in, in, in every circumstance or for every circumstance. It's rejoice in the Lord. And that's the, the key. And when we juxtapose that with, with what, um, that's actually the, the foundation for the rest of what he says in that passage. But if we juxtapose that with uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which in the NIV reads, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, giving thanks in all circumstances is not the same as giving thanks for all circumstances, right. although I think the case can be made for that. Um, but the reality is some of our circumstances are just bad. They're, they're just yeah. horrible and unpleasant. And, and I'm sure that Stephen in his martyrdom was not saying, Lord, thank you so much for this rock that just hit me in the face or is right. about to hit me in the face. But we do see throughout Christian history um, martyrs expressing thankfulness to God for the privilege of being counted among them. And Paul is, is one who, who says, I just, I am privileged to be counted worthy to suffer. And you, as, as the disciples of Christ, you have been granted this opportunity to suffer for the name. We don't think in, in those terms in modern right. Christianity. We, you know, we like things that are, that are easy, that are <clears throat> comfortable. Uh, we preach prosperity all the time that, you know, God wants me happy. And, uh, I mean, we've had people leave the church over the idea that, you know, how could you say God's not concerned with my happiness? And and it's, I don't think I've ever actually said that, but it's not that God isn't concerned, that he doesn't want you to be filled with joy. In fact, he commands us here to, to rejoice, uh, to rejoice in the Lord always. 
But God's primary concern is not with our happiness, particularly not with our temporal happiness, Mm -hmm. but with our fullness of joy in him. We were created for this relationship, and anything other than that, Anything that, that, that usurps or undermines or, or trumps our full enjoyment of God is a violation of the reason we exist in the first place. Hmm. So whatever good things we think we're enjoying, if we're not enjoying them to the glory of God as gifts from God that point us to the giver, then we're actually worshiping an idol. And, and we need to be aware of that in our lives. I just uh, spoke at my uncle's funeral yesterday, and and to see, as I'm looking out uh, on the folks who were there, and it's a small private uh, ceremony because of COVID, but as as we're looking there, among folks that I don't know that I've never met, uh, and, and close family that mm-hmm. that obviously I do know, it just struck me how many of these folks who don't know Jesus, and without question also those who do know Jesus, but, but specifically those who, who, who don't know him, are seeking ways to be happy, to enjoy life, to find things, whatever that thing is going to be that's going to, if I can steal from, from uh, you know, a, a terrible, terribly overused movie line, to complete them. You know, to to make them whole, right. and and it never can. And I had a conversation about that the other day. You see people like uh, people who don't believe, even atheists or whoever. They most people believe in something because yeah. they have to, right. because otherwise your mind explodes. Whether right. you believe in some specific scientific theory, and it's actually illogical not to. I mean, right. we have to work ourselves. We have to to force ourselves into an atheism that's not right. natural to but our even minds. if you are an atheist and you just believe in, in a specific uh, scientific scientific there's theory something or something there. right yeah. you're believing in something right even if there's not a hundred percent facts behind it you're still believing in something yeah. that can't be proven quote unquote and and i think as humans that's something that we if we don't believe in something, hmm. we're gonna just—I mean—lose it. You can't. I, I feel like you can't not right. <laughs> cling to something. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's very little fulfillment in in believing something that's not true. Well, <laughs> and if we if we continually seek after these things that are going to disappoint us, yeah, right. Then the the fallout of that is not surprising. Right. We we won't be satisfied in the moment, but we'll also become, you know if I could say neurotic, where, mm-hmm. where we're constantly chasing. And that constant chasing does not, it, it's, it does not produce in us, I'm trying to, to not sound particularly secular with it, but it doesn't produce a, a positive mental health right. in right. us. So aside from the spiritual reality, that, which is the biggest thing, I mean, that is the thing, is the spiritual reality uh, of God, and that this all that we are in here is created by God for God, and we too are created by God for God. But putting that aside for just a moment, just the effect of constantly pursuing something that I can never have is going to cause depression mm-hmm. and anxiety and frustration all the time. So human discontent breeds more human discontent. The 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 idea. Um, and, and in fact, we actually have promoted this a lot of times in Western society. Uh, for those who remember the '80s uh, movie Wall Street with um, Gordon Gecko, with Gordon Gecko, right? <laughs> Mike Fr- Douglas. Uh, Michael Douglas. 
the, the whole line of greed is good, which was not the definitive line of the 80s, as I've seen on so many pop culture analyses. I can but, think of way more <clears throat> but, lines but that, But that, that didn't really define everything there. But it was part of what we have seen straight along, this idea that, that self-promotion is good, that you know the ends justify the means. I, I can do whatever I have to do to get there, this expedient idea. And the, the concept of there, I can never afford to be satisfied because if I become satisfied, I become complacent, mm-hmm. and then I'm not my best me. That is 100% worldly thinking. Everything that we see in Scripture is a drive to excellence, but in couched in contentment. We are called to be content. We're called not to covet. Uh, that's a command of God. We're called to be satisfied in Him. And so, to borrow from, from John Piper, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And so, if I am happy in Jesus, if I, if I see him as most precious, I recognize that, that there is nothing that can fulfill me like a relationship with Christ. And if I have that relationship with Christ, there's nothing else that I need. And when I come to that place, it's nearly impossible to fall into an extended period of, of downerism, of, of being depressed, of being anxious. Uh, now we'll still have that because we still are human and we're flesh and bone and, and we fall into those moments. But, but I can't do that while I'm being content in Christ. And that's the picture that we have in Philippians is this idea, and Paul will get to that a little later in the chapter, um, this idea that whatever happens, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I can deal with that. I can do anything in, in this relation. I can do all of this through Christ, mm-hmm. who strengthens me. And we so misquote that that verse as if it's going to help us to, to win, a know, football get, game win a football <laughs> game or, or get a promotion or whatever else. And, and we use it as a prosperity verse. It's actually a contentment verse. It's Paul saying, I've, I've learned what it's like to have plenty. Mm-hmm. And I've learned what it's like to have little, to, to have the, the want and the, the lack. I've been in every bad circumstance you can figure out. And I figured out the way to be content in all of that. And I can do all of this. I can be content in all of that through Christ who strengthens me. How do I do that? Well, back to four through eight. I do that by making the conscious decision to rejoice always. To rejoice not only in all things at all times, but to rejoice specifically in the Lord. My circumstances are bad, but God is still good. The old adage that that uh, sometimes gets turned into a, a trite uh, Bumper sticker. kind of thing that God is good all the mm-hmm. time and all the time God is good. That's actually a profound theological reality. When I, when I look at my circumstances and I recognize that the circumstances are temporal, that they're, they're bound to time and they will not always be what they are, but God is mm-hmm. always you good. Said, you said something uh, a minute ago that it is a choice that you make. It is, absolutely d- d- a choice. Despite your circumstances, whether they're good or bad, you choose to rejoice in, in that because you have that you have that contentment. Sure, and and you know folks push back on that a lot of the right. time. You know how, how could you say that's a choice? I don't have the choice to be happy. Now, or I can't control I, this. I didn't or I can't say win. that you have a choice about how you feel. Mm-hmm. How you feel is a byproduct. Mm-hmm. You also don't have to be governed and ruled by how you feel. Mm-hmm. You choose what you think. 
how can I say that rejoicing in the Lord is a choice when it sounds so much like feelings? It's a verb. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's an action. It's something that we get wrong in our heads. But if God is good, and if the Bible is valid, all presuppositions that, that we hang our hats on here, then God can't and be and still be him. He can't demand or command something that we are incapable of doing. Mm-hmm. Like God doesn't say, I command you to fly. And when you don't fly, then I judge you to hell. He doesn't do that. And he doesn't command in a practical, this is, this is a, the a kind of command that's more of a practical command. Uh, when he commands this, that means that we are able to do it. He doesn't say, <laughs> because he's God and he's not foolish like we are, he doesn't say, don't think about white elephants. Right? You know, right. he, what, what, he, what he does is say, look, here's the situation. I have given you most of the Bible now at this point to give you evidence of the fact that I am always faithful. That just the song that you sang on, on Sunday, uh, coupled with that great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He's given us evidence for that. He's given us all of human history to see that, yes, life is rough. God is still good. And so when we see that and we rejoice not in the circumstances as as a joyful thing in themselves, but in him, how do we rejoice in the Holocaust? Hmm. You know, that the Holocaust is an, an, an innately evil thing that is incongruent with the will of God, is contrary to God, is hateful to God uh, in the destruction of, of his image bearers. And yet, we are called to rejoice always, even in the Holocaust. So can we see bright spots and silver linings? Yes, we can see every dark evil thing brings out the heroism in others. And so the, the greatest generation, as we call our World War II generation here, that, that happened, they became that because of the crisis that existed in the midst of the Holocaust. But that's, this is not a call to look at the glass as half full rather than half empty. This is a call to look at the glass as belonging to God. Mm-hmm. Whatever's in the glass, it's his. And so I'm thankful for it. I'm rejoicing in it that God has chosen to allow me to see this glass at all mm-hmm. because it's his and he is good and he's God and I'm not. So that choosing to rejoice puts us in a situation that allows for the rest of it uh, to, to come in. And it's so important that Paul repeats it, right? But then he gets into the practical aspect. He says, you know, if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, right, and my mind is stayed on him, then the fallout of that is he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm aware of the Lord's presence, that he's near, that which is both comforting and convicting. So when I'm not walking with him, knowing that he's near, it, that's a warning to me. So in my response to people when they don't vote the way I want or I see them wearing a mask in their car or not wearing a mask, all of the things that people get upset about. I've heard people holler about all these things lately. When, when I see all that stuff, I need to respond to life, not just to people, but to life with a gentleness of remembering that God is near, which means it's all going to be okay. And it also means I better... I better remember that he's here in how I conduct myself. Mm-hmm. So 
that happens when my focal point of my mind is rejoicing in the Lord always. And that, that develops in me a stability that allows for him to say, you know, uh, don't be anxious about anything. And, and <laughs> I mean, we, we all know people, and, and many of us are people, who say that's just not possible to not be anxious about anything. But because he's giving this directive, this imperative, we know that it is possible. How is it possible? By first laying the foundation of choosing to rejoice in the Lord always, mm -hmm. no matter what. Remembering that the Lord is near so that my response, not only to people, but to my circumstances is a gentle and stable response because I know that even in bad things, he is still good, he is still faithful. So then I don't have to be anxious you know, worry is taking responsibility for things that I don't control. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to take that responsibility, I give up that responsibility to God through prayer and petition. But I do all of this with thanksgiving, with owning my dependence on him. So the idea of, of, of thanksgiving is not so much the, you know, I'm going to um, express gratitude in communication. And it's not so much, here's my you know, kind of a quid pro quo thing. God mm -hmm. does a good thing for me, so I have a thankfulness. But it's a recognizing that I am utterly dependent on God for life, existence, happiness, all things, everything that I have, everything that I need, I have to, I have to recognize my dependence on it. When I do that, that is the practice of thanksgiving and then allowing that to shape the rest of it. And so then when... When we do those things, we present our requests to God with, with a mindfulness of my dependence, so with thanksgiving, then that allows the space for the peace that God gives, which transcends understanding. In other words, it's bigger than my circumstances. It's beyond what makes sense. It's easy for me to see how peace comes when you remove the unpeaceful circumstance, right? right? So uh, just like with your own situation and talking about parenting and, and the difficulty of, of uh, the split home and, and trying to, to balance that, it, it would be easy to say, oh, I can have peace when all of this goes away. Mm -hmm. But how do I have peace beyond all of this going away because obviously it doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I do that with all of the, the things that we just talked about leading to a space where I can let God's peace transcend my circumstances, transcend my ability to logically say, ah, there's an absence of conflict. That's the, the beauty of this peace, this, the peace of God, is a shalom, a harmony that is beyond just the absence of conflict to the embracing of the conflict as part of God's greater plan. Mm -hmm. And while this in itself may stink like a French cheese, the reality of it is it's still in his hand and he is using it in my temporal setting to make me more like Christ and to allow me to witness to others. So Paul sees that in his own life, everything is a, is a, a twofold uh, thing at the very least, that this is a great chance for me to suffer like Christ, to understand Christ better, to be drawn closer to him, to suffer for Christ in persecution, but to suffer like Christ when, when I'm being treated unjustly in, in any circumstance. And also, as I go through this, letting my gentleness be evident to all, 
I am salt and light in this dark and flavorless world. And so God then is demonstrated in our thankfulness, in our thanksgiving, not just on a day when we eat turkey and watch football, but when we but when we live out that owned dependence on him with a constant choice to rejoice in him mm-hmm. always, to give thanks, as, as he writes to the Thessalonian church, in every circumstance, knowing that this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, that thankfulness drives everything in the, in the Christian life. I, I almost want to stop, but I also have more questions because <laughs> we're running out of time. Um, one thing that, that I mean, and you just talked about it a little bit, but <clears throat> when you think about as a, as a human being, a, a peace that transcends all understanding, mm-hmm. that seems, and, and you just did a really good job of explaining it, but it's still, maybe this is just me having a block. The idea of that in my brain seems Impossible, and maybe that is because I'm thinking of it from a, a, a no conflict standpoint. Right. I, I don't know that I've had all, a bunch of moments in my life where I've just sat there and gone, "Everything is great. Everything is wonderful." I feel. It, it, yeah, I feel that's that the specific difference. Peace, right. you, know? you know. So the we think from a human perspective that for us to have that complete peace that you mentioned, I have to be able to say, to see, to feel. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. And the specific piece that we're talking about here is for me to be able to say everything is horrible. And I could, you know, I'm probably going to get COVID. I could die. You know, terrible things could happen to me. Bad guys could come, leave me for dead on the street, and rats could eat my fingertips. You know, all of these terrible pictures that That could come into my mind. Um, And to be able to say, okay, Mm. I don't love any of this. But I know that the one that I love more than anything and who loves me more than anything, who is willing to sacrifice his son while I was still a sinner, will not abandon me. So if I go through the worst thing that I can possibly imagine in my mind, God is able to do immeasurably more than all I can ask or imagine. So can God get me out of this? Yes. Does God want the best for me? Yes. How do I know that? He gave his son for me before I ever even wanted a relationship but with him. But he knows what's best, and we exactly. tend to think that we know what's best. That's right. <laughs> and that's where and the so conflict comes So we have to learn in. to trust daddy yeah. when daddy says something that we, the children, don't want, right? And, and, you know, as parents, we can identify with that. There are so many times when our kids want something that is not the best thing. Uh, sometimes it's because what they want isn't good for them. Sometimes it's because what they want is smaller than what we have in mind, mm-hmm. and we have something better. And for them to have the better, the best, they have to sacrifice the good. And it really isn't a sacrifice because they're getting something better. It's like that marshmallow thing. You've seen that? I don't know. Where you put, they put up, you put a marshmallow in front of a child and say, don't eat it until I get back. Yeah. And then you can have two marshmallows when I get back. And so you, there's videos of this all over YouTube. There's little kids just sitting there and they're looking at the marshmallow and the parents leave for a minute and they want to eat it. Some kids will touch it and do whatever. Yeah. But when they get back, if they don't eat it, you get two marshmallows. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that's a silly comparison. But but it does help to visualize it a little bit. Right. I, because we're so quick and I'm, I'm extremely guilty of this to think that I know what's best for myself. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of contentment in that, <laughs> you know, yeah. whether, and, and, you know, people talk about things like, 
Uh, That's like, why we have to trust in the Lord with right, all our heart right. and not lean on our own right. understanding. People which do is things like easier to say it than is. it is to do. And people chase things, and I do this too, like you know, like retail therapy or whatever. Sure. These temporary fixes that are going to maybe make you feel better for a few minutes about something, and then that wears off very quickly, right. and you find yourself feeling discontent. Uh, that that chasing kind of lies at the heart of of virtually all of our maladies and all of our sins. Just chasing that, that, the wrong thing, right? Because we are trying to satisfy something, a, a need, a legitimate need that God put in us by our own perception. Mm-hmm. So what God put in us requires him to fill it by design. And when we do everything but allow him to fill it, that's the nature of sin. And so we continue to chase after things that aren't him. Even relationships. you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I think relationships are a key example of that. Right. That's we would not have the sexual revolution or the moral revolution that we see today if we would allow God to fill our, our void. Instead, we, in fact, I just wrote a devotion about this for, uh, for Christmas, but it, it, instead, the intimacy that God has designed us to have with him, we pursue in everything else. And, in everyone and else. In everyone else, right. right. We're looking for love in all the wrong right. places. Somebody should write a song Looking for love. Eddie Murphy <laughs> SNL reference for those of you who are younger. Um, so you've only seen that in reruns, clearly. <laughs> But well, the 70s, since, I think so. Yeah. so <laughs> Maybe 80s. 80s, but yeah. you weren't born yet. Um, anyhow, as we as we go through this this gratitude concept, we have to kill our misconceptions uh, that that tell us that peace comes because everything's going to be great. Right. And, and you know, I, I, a couple of pictures of this. You know. I, watch uh, the Arrowverse shows. Oh, uh, we almost got through a week without it. You thought it might happen, and yet you were wrong. Uh, and, and what bugs the heck out of me with all of these shows is somebody will get shot or blown up or whatever, and they'll come and say, it's okay, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all- I promise. <laughs> like, you have no control over this. That That is a shallow, empty promise that everything's going to be okay. Well, maybe it's not. Now, as Christ followers, our worldview helps us to be able to understand that in Christ, it is all going to be okay. But you still might die from this gunshot wound that you you're have. Because you just got blown you know, to smithereens. There's, you know, we've talked recently about a, a, a church uh, in our area that was alleged to have, and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, there are a number of churches that, that um, teach this, unfortunately. That their their approach to the COVID crisis is just you know pray and faith your way through it. Uh, well, that's dumb. That's not how any of this works. God does not promise you that you will not get COVID. But that's not really the point either. The point is that we walk by faith. We trust Him, but we don't trust Him foolishly to do things that God did not promise to do. Right. We trust Him to be God. We trust Him to to govern all of our circumstances, not to keep us from the consequences of our mistakes. As a parent, as a good parent, I cannot keep my children from, because I know ultimately I can't keep them from the consequences of, the, of their choices as they grow. Right. So if I do that throughout their childhood and I never let them face the consequences of their choices, then they will ultimately face greater consequences with weightier choices later on, right. and I have not prepared them for that. So God allows us to face the consequences of our choices, and every choice has a consequence. All of my choices determine my destiny. So as God walks us through this life, 
the the imposition of consequences, just like as a parent, I will bring in artificial consequences if necessary to help you learn not to do this wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So that might mean I wash your mouth out with soap. I'm kind of an old-fashioned guy. So wash your mouth out with soap if you say something wrong or or a swat on the behind or, you know, whatever. Uh, You go to grab the stove and I swat your hand so that you learn not to grab the stove. Because if not, when you grab the stove and it's hot, you will have consequences Mm -hmm. that are farther they're they're more extreme than what i would introduce Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to protect you well why would you strike your child because i love my child and i'm trying to protect them if i don't they will eventually come to the knowledge of the reality that choices have consequences but it might be consequences they they can't undo and so we need to recognize that god does that with us Mm -hmm. and ultimately the things that we experience in this life are leading us to a greater glory, leading us to an eternal life. This here, this is the green room. The show hasn't started yet. We're, we're still in the process. So anyway, the, the arrow promise things, just foolishness and gets on my nerves. Uh, I still dig the shows, but it gets on my nerves. We'll talk about it next week. I probably will. <laughs> the, the other thing, which is perhaps more profound, is the, the picture from the Pilgrim's Progress um, in Interpreter's House, for those who haven't read it, um, Pilgrim, uh, Christian, the Pilgrim, uh, he, he comes through the wicked gate, which represents Christ, and he, he um, becomes a believer. And uh, immediately following that, he enters, uh, he meets Mr. Interpreter, and he goes to his house, and he shows him signs of things that will help him along the way. And in one of the rooms, he sees two children, one called Passion and one called Patience. And um, the they have an inheritance, and if they will wait till the next year, they'll get the full inheritance. Uh, and passion demands to the satisfaction now. I want what's mine now. And he gets it, and he spends it, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And patience waits until that, uh, until that destination occurs and gets the full inheritance, lasting inheritance that doesn't go away. And the picture is pretty clear as we walk through this, this pilgrim journey that we can have satisfaction now, or so we think. But it's only satisfying as long as it lasts. It only, right. It's only satisfying in that moment when those circumstances are favorable. But if we are pursuing the things now, we are forfeiting the things later mm-hmm. that will be greater and longer lasting and more satisfying. And so we need to choose that patience over passion in in those moments so it's a good illustration of of what you were talking about with the um just with the the being able to go past these circumstances Mm -hmm. so as we approach this thanksgiving holiday tomorrow um since this is a wednesday and not our normal tuesday um we do need to remember what uh, what Jeff had for the memory verse in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that, uh, that we are to give thanks in all circumstances, not because of these circumstances, but because God is faithful, because he is worthy of trust and worship. He is always right. He is always on time. And so we rejoice in him always. Therefore, we can give thanks in, in every circumstance in, in, that we face. And recognize that this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. It's His will for us to be thankful, but it's will for it's His will for us to go through those circumstances in order to prove out that thankfulness. Right. 
And we will stop there because we've gone way over. We but were so close to being we on time, were, too. And then I asked a dumb question. No, I Say thought it was a good question. Uh, so we will stop there. Uh, next week, we're starting Advent, right? We are, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, it's a good thing. That's a thing so. that's happening. So, yeah, tune tune back in for that. Um, and be sure to... Actually, this is this coming Sunday, the first week of Advent? It is. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, check out the... So uh, we'll be going through our Killing Christmas series as you, we do You want to hear more about that, eh? So, uh, so yeah, uh, be sure to watch the live stream on Facebook and YouTube this Sunday. I know we've been having some issues with our live streams lately, but hopefully we've gotten that under control. Um yes. So that will be this week, and then we'll be back next week to talk about that. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave us a message on Facebook, YouTube, send us an email at somethingrealatreallifeonline.org, or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. Boom. I want to be like one of those fast talkers that gives you all the side effects of medications at the end of the commercial. <laughs> That's job. my next career choice. Thanks for watching, everybody, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you later.